I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Well, what's going on, Screen Fiends? We have a bit of a um, unorthodox episode today. Something a little different. Just me and your old pal, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon, what's up, man? Howdy. Yeah, well, we were going to do our big Vegas episode this week. But there's been a lot going on. Good old Miz came down with the COVID. R.I.P. He's out. Uh, Seth, it was much more dire, apparently. Yep. He had uh, a wrestling pay-per-view that he needed to watch, so keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Yep. God bless. And, yeah. And uh, well, Josiah, he's, he's got a life. You know, he's got children and things going on. I understand him. Seth's really the only one that doesn't have a great excuse. But. <laughs> I guess we expect that of him at this point. Yeah, no, it wasn't that big of a surprise, to be honest. No, he's, he's, he's always done stuff like this, mm-hmm. as long as I've known him. So, But uh, I guess we're kind of pulling it back this week, a, a mini episode of filler, if you will, and we're going to postpone our trip to Vegas till next week, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we get some return people. Maybe we get some new people. Screen fiends, if you're out there and you know about movies and you know, you know, more than those clowns about movies, hit us up. You know, we need some talent on the show. Mm -hmm. This is an official outreach to talented folks that can go toe to toe when it comes to movie trivia, movie knowledge. And uh, it can be more of a, you know, a a niche type of. person as well you know like me in particular i i'm just you know knowledgeable on indie films and that's my cup of tea right Other than that you know I, I know films fairly well but not as well as probably a, a total knowledge of you tom you kind of encapsulate all all movies for the most even part. me a lot of people i mean you see some people they really know their crap right that scares me yep for me i'd say my specialty is horror films yep and I would say knowledge that. is just insanely vast. You know, yeah. uh, 80s films really well. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, but, that's niches. He just he doesn't know anything. Yeah. That's yeah. Knows nothing. Less yep. than I do. Even even when we did our sports movie thing, I knew more than said. I hate sports movies. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be his specialty. <laughs> Not the case. But, uh, but yeah, I just. I just wanted to talk, Gordon, about the future of the pod, what we want to do, what we're about. Like I said, I'd really like to get Gabe back on. I've been talking to him the past week. You want to talk about somebody that's knowledgeable about movies. That dude knows it. He knows it all. He's just an old school fan. Just, you know, 
He's not even very prideful about it, but you ask him about any movie, he's seen it at least once, and he knows a little bit about it, about film history. That's what we're looking for. You know, Seth, he's a clown. He's a fool. Yep. He's out. He's done, officially. <laughs> I'm making it official now. We don't want Seth no more. Nope. What uh, what's what's Gabe been saying? Is he is he open to the possibility of joining us again? I know you've been kind of working on him a little bit. I mean, yeah, I just I just put one. I I told him about we was doing a Vegas pod, and immediately he starts blaring off all this knowledge about all these different Vegas movies he's seen, we most of which I haven't seen. So, and he did seem interested. So we'll see what happens in weeks to come. I'll tell him about you know what's been going on. Yeah. We are definitely looking for a few new people. Josiah, I love Josiah, and I think he likes doing the pod, but I, I don't think it's his cup of tea at the same time either. And he's a very busy man. You know, he's got his own life. So I, I didn't want to force on him anymore. And as far as Crazy Charlie goes, everybody knows about Crazy Charlie. He can't, he can't be relied on. No, he's an enigma. I just got a text from five minutes ago. I've been texting him all day. You know, are you going to be on the pod? Are you going to do it? And he said, this is the first time in a week I haven't been completely hammered. He said, I probably won't be on the pod. That was five minutes ago. <laughs> I said, all right. So you see what we got to work with here, Gordon. All right. Yeah. This is just a shit show. It's a shit show today. There's no doubt about it. But we must persevere, Gordon. Now, I would say, you know, our plans for the pod are, are tentative, but we definitely want feedback from people that are actually listening out there. You know, just any comments, anything like that, like what you guys would prefer. What are your favorite, you know, parts of the podcast that we're doing? Do you like the, the trivia, you know, games that we play? Do you prefer the in-depth talks the on review. movies, reviews? Disputes. Yeah, what what do you guys prefer to hear? Because um, we're open to any of it, and we enjoy doing all of it. But you know, ultimately, for the people that are listening, you know, it's, it comes down to what you guys like to hear as well. Because I know for me personally, when it comes to reviews, I just uh, I always zone out. I was just never a big guy when it comes to. I mean, maybe if it's something really cool that's new that's coming out, but you know. Just all the little things like maybe different trailers. I just, you know, and even a lot of new movies, especially these days, there's just nothing good that I like. I mm. like more the games, the setups, the trivia, the battles, the disputes, you know, the history. Mm. I, I don't mind maybe doing a little uh, segment on reviews, but I'm, I remember sometimes we used to get into an hour conversation on one new movie. Half the time, I'd just be like, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have like three very strong opinions on a film, it definitely makes it a lot more interesting as well. Yeah, it's true as well. So it's not as bad when you when you have that going on. But yeah. um, we got some new blood. Yeah. Yeah. When you have like Seth on the podcast and he hasn't watched it, that, that makes he it a little said, bit more difficult. Or if he, no, no, and he has, he can be the only one that's seen it. Or yeah, has seen it and still doesn't really have an opinion on it. Says, it was good. Yeah, it was all right. I thought it was fine. Seven out of ten. 
Let's move on. <laughs> but yeah. I guess I've just been a little down the last couple of days. And then, you know, we postponed it for Seth. Mm-hmm. He's the one that said, I can't do it uh, Saturday. Why don't we do it Sunday? Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yep. At the right time that he wanted. No, can't do it then either. I mm-hmm. got this whole thing going on. And that was, I thought that was kind of crappy. But not a surprise. But not a surprise, no. Like I said, there's been plenty of times we'll be, you know, wanting to hang out on a Saturday. Even his wife, we'll all be ready to go hang out. Oh, well, I got this thing. I, I can't do it now. What is it? Oh, it's a UFC pay-per-view I want to watch. Oh, you can't, or, or it's a, a football game or basketball game. I mean, you can, you can, can't you watch that later? I mean, it's not like you can't record it and then watch it at a different time. Right. I can yeah. just never see. I mean, it wouldn't matter. It could it could be the greatest movie of all time or a new video game I got. It can wait, you know? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, when you buy a pay-per-view, like you're granted access to that pay-per-view for at least a while, right? Yeah. It's not like it's just a... And with the wrestling ones that he does, it's on the network. So he could watch it a week from now. Anytime, yeah. Yeah, anytime. So you can see we're just struggling with talent on the show at the end of the day. <laughs> Work ethic. Seth does work at Ford Motor Company, which is notorious for absenteeism. That's true. So, at the end of the day, he's a product of that. And you got to take that into account. Well, thank God we've had Miz around, (laughs) you know. Yeah, Miz is helping a lot. He's pretty knowledgeable about films. So, he is. is, Yeah. He's, He's an old school guy. Well, what do you uh what do you want to talk about? We got a couple of things on the docket we can kind of run through. Yeah, I just figured we'd go back to the basics, Gordon. You know, what the pod is. Just talking about film and the the screen, be a screen king. You know, what is our favorite movie of all time, video game of all time, show of all time? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I figured we start there. Mm-hmm. Did you have any you really wanted to get into? Well, um, the uh, I'll start with video games. Um, the Ghost of Tsushima uh, director's cut came back out. Uh, gave me an excuse to jump back into that again. I bought it. And, uh, did you? Mm-hmm. It, been it's, it? down, it's downloaded, but I haven't started playing it yet. I bought it yesterday, the day before. Yeah, I mean, it looked great even without the the you know remastering the graphics a little bit, updating everything. But it looks but it fantastic. Was, it, it was 20 bucks for me. What was it for you? Was it 20? Uh, no, it was 30 because I right. upgraded it to PS5. Right, your PS5. They made y'all pay extra. Yeah, yeah, it was like 10 bucks extra to do it that way. Um, but, you know, it was worth it. It it, uh, it has the updated the graphics, 4K, 60 frames per second. Um, it added all the controller features with the um, haptic feedback and the um, adaptive triggers. So it added some cool new features to it. Um, and then it came with the uh, Iki Island DLC as well, which I just started, um, which is pretty fun. It's pretty, it's interesting. You know, it added some new dynamics. So when you're fighting guys now, there's like a shaman there that basically buffs all of them. And right. their, their attacking is a little bit more fierce. But they also added a cool new feature that I really like where 
um, all of the guys you fight actually have multiple weapons. So they might have dual swords, and then in the middle of the fight you have with them, they'll put those away and they'll bring out a spear and a shield. I see. So you have to adjust your stance and your fighting style on the fly, right. which adds a little bit more dynamics to it. So it's pretty cool thus far. Um, add some new little mini things to find on the map, some new little um, items to collect. Um, a lot more story for sure. And I'm not sure I really like the story as much on this. Um, the DLC. It kind of, yeah, it kind of makes you start second guessing that the Sakai clan is actually good. It seems to bring them to the light of being like a little bit more of what actual samurai were known for, which was right. a lot of fighting and, you know, they weren't really that noble they, of people. They were monarchs. They did what they wanted to do. And the right. people better listen and better get in line. And they were, and you had they were people constantly, that loved them and people that hated them. Yeah. And they were constantly quarreling with one another. Like yeah. they were all, always at war with one another. Yeah. So always about who's more honorable and who's going to shine whose shoes. Right. So it adds that in there. I like that aspect of it where you're kind of questioning if you know, him and his father were actually good people, but the way they're doing it, it's not that great. I think right. uh, it's all right. It's nothing special, but it, it adds some, Is there stuff some PC junk in there. I'm guessing. Um, no, no PC junk in there. No, not like the last bad storytelling. Yeah. Just storytelling's a little bit off, kind of slow. So, okay. but, um, you know, I, I've been really enjoying that a lot. I think that's a great game to get into a good reason to jump up to PS five. If you can get a hold of one, um, but you know, as far as favorite games of all time, you know, I'm still, I'm still in the same boat with pretty much anything Naughty Dog puts out. Um, the Uncharted series, Last of Us series, all of those are just, they're fantastic games. Despite how you feel about the, the PC nature of Last of Us 2, it is such a good game. All of them, really, for me. I just feel like they're almost more of movies. They are, yeah. In games. But the, the gameplay on each one of them is still very good. You know, they, they play like movies, but they're right. still very good as far as the gameplay is concerned. And, you know, they're long games, so you get your money's worth out of all of them. Um, they're always top-notch on graphics. There's usually nothing that's going to have a chance of competing with them when they put a new game out. Um, and pretty much you know, the, the stories that you get out of them are, are, are pretty good. You know, they're, they're fun. They're interesting. They keep things moving, even paced. Pretty much everything is, is solid when you, when you get a, a new uh, Naughty Dog game out. So that's pretty much where I stand right now on, on my gaming. What about you? My favorite Naughty Dog game, Crash Bandicoot. Without a doubt. Hands down. Classic, yeah. But uh, as far as games go, I still... I'd have to say it's tough right now between The Witcher and Red Dead Redemption 2. So they both do so many things right in so many different ways. I'd say, and they both have so much content. That mm -hmm. Almost too much content. Well, again, you play what you want. You can, go, you, can you know, get the story mode done and 45 hours if you want to. Yeah. Or if you're one of those slower place players, you know, you want to spread it out. You want to do a bunch of extra stories. You want to 
learn about other factions. You want to play Gwent? Throw all that crap in there. I spent more time playing Gwent than the actual Witcher 3 game. Exactly. You can spread it out to 80 hours. It's whatever you want to do. The option's there. You know what I mean? For me, I just, I like something a little bit more focused. Like, I like having all the options and the things in there. And trust me, I loved The Witcher 3 and I loved Red Dead 2. Both of them are masterpieces for sure. But um, the new Assassin's Creed games are a great example of this, where not they're not great games, but um, there is so much to do in these games that it almost becomes overwhelming as to what you should decide to do or what you want to do or what you want to focus on. You're constantly getting sidetracked by things around you. And sometimes it's just, you, you got to move on. I don't think that concept is inherently bad. I think where it comes down to is, is that stuff that sidetracks you good or not? Right, right. And that's what it comes down. I, I don't think the, you could have a hundred thousand things to do. Mm-hmm. If they're all great, that's fine. But if you get games where it's like, uh, throw uh, 10 balls and 10 cups and receive a little prize. Right. You see in a lot of games, like you said, I do see what you're saying on that Spider-Man game. It had a few of those. Go find the car with the catalytic converter that's spreading toxic into the ozone. Right. Hunt <laughs> him down. And I guess Spider-Man was snitching on these people. Do you yeah. remember those side missions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I started to get really annoyed by them. That was one of the reasons I stopped playing. Yeah. Yeah. So... No, I I agree with you. Witcher 3 and Red Dead 2 do have the better side missions. They're more interesting because you just kind of naturally happen upon them. Yeah, yeah. Usually not like something where it's like a a dot on a map half the time. They're fluid. Right. They they happen naturally in the game world, and they feel um, a a lot more natural that way. And and they're typically more interesting, you know? Yeah. Happening across... um, some guy that's like hiding a really important weapon that's holding out in his, um, you know, his barn in red dead Two. Yeah. It was pretty interesting or happening across uh, a guy, a couple of guys that were sitting in the house that got obliterated by a meteorite that like smashed through their roof, you know, yeah. finding cool stuff like that is super cool. You know, it's fun. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of games just struggle with that, man. A lot of them do. They do. Yeah. But yeah. There's so many good mechanics with both of those games. That's just a few to, to talk about, you know. But uh, I don't think we've seen anything close to it. It's a, you, we may get uh, the new Horizon Zero Dawn. I think that's a possibility. What do you know first about one, that game, Gordon? First one was a masterpiece, man. It had one of the best stories I've ever played in a game. And it's up there in my top, I would say, top five games of all time. And graphics-wise, it's right there with Red Dead. I don't think it beats it but it's right there. It's up there with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, the new the new Horizon looks amazing. It looks fantastic. It got pushed back a little bit, um, which doesn't surprise me, but it looks good. Um, I'm excited for it. The first one, like I said, great gameplay. It was a little bit ahead of its time. It had a lot of things going on in it, um, but it was still able to have a really focused story and you know, being able to shoot parts off, off of dinosaurs and then use those parts against them or find their, yeah. their weak spots. You know, it was, it was fun. It was almost like solving a puzzle while you're fighting, you know, enemies, which exactly reminded me a lot of um, Shadow of the Colossus. Where yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You're fighting these giant Colossus and, you know, it's basically a puzzle platformer at the same time. 
Yeah, it was it was a great game. I'll tell you what, if I could try to narrow it down, Gordon, as to what I feel makes a great game, it's about, you know, when you play a video game, the concept is, you know, you're in control. You watch a movie, it's it's all about the story and what's around it. You know, when you but when you're in a game, you want to take this character and you want to mold it. But you 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 have to have a a, a foundation there for sure. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, like it, like in The Witcher, you got Geralt, and he's an awesome character. And you know, and it's not a narrative thing. It's not like you go through it and the Ger- the the Geralt that you play as is going to be the same as Geralt you know I play as, so on and so forth. You shape them. You know, you you get a say as a player as to who your character is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main reasons, and the and the game that I think still does it the best of all time, Fallout New Vegas. It's so free, you know. It, the the new Fallout, which I've been playing recently, and it is a great game, but it's just like you wanted to go this direction with the character, but the game says you have to go this direction. Mm-hmm. In New Vegas, you know, it's old. It, it looks. Ter- I mean, the graphics are like PS2. Yeah, it's awful. But still. You, you're the you're the courier, and you shape him to be whatever you want him to be. A hundred percent, all of his stuff, mm-hmm. from the most evil man that ever walked the wasteland, to a messiah type figure, to uh, you know, somebody who 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 doesn't carry the way. You know, it's a hundred percent you, and I think that's what makes a game great. And while, like I said, its graphics were out of date in two thousand ten. Right when it came out, Even eleven years old. later, yeah, I still see plenty of people talking about that game, putting out YouTube videos on that game, saying it's the greatest of all time, just because of the freedom you have, and that's what it really means to make a great video game. Is to is, is the freedom to build a character and to you know fantasize, you know, be what you want to be in this virtual world. Whereas a lot of other games, it's on rails. It's it's you are, you know, this character. And, and and you're going, you know, Laura Croft, uh, you know, wh- whatever, you know, it, and they can be fun, sure, but it's almost it, it's similar to watching a movie. And I think a, a gaming experience is very different. And that's why I put the The Witcher as number one, because you get the best of all three worlds. You know, you can shape Geralt. He's got a great base because if you don't have a base to start with, it could be like Bloodborne. You know, there's almost no story that game relies a hundred percent on its gameplay and it's great. Sure. But it'd be great if it had some other elements with it. You know I mean? You want the full package. Right. Well, it doesn't. So that's the thing about like the, the souls games um, bloodborne is they're not shoving story down your throat. You can learn you feel like as, nobody, right. You can as learn as much story as you could possibly want if you want to read the item descriptions and, and you're going to be doing some reading basically yeah. um, and get into the lore. And if you do, there's some really interesting stuff in there. Well, there really is, but it, it, it lets you choose. Do you just want to play this action RPG and get your ass whooped a bunch yeah. um, and just enjoy it as it is? Or do you want to get really deep into the lore of it while you're getting your ass kicked either way yeah. is fine. And you're going to enjoy the game pretty much all the same. I, I would say, um, but that's, that's one of the reasons I love the, the soul series, dark souls, one, one of my favorite games of all time, bloodborne, one of my favorite games of all time. I showed you yeah. the other day. I just finally platinumed it. Um, right. you're a little bit behind me though, Gordon. 
Yep. <clears throat> yep. I was surprised I was that far behind on, on platinuming it. Cause I played it so many times when it first came out, I I've probably beaten it a good 10 times at this point. Yeah. But, that's um, something you just didn't think about probably. You know, the thing I did hate about Bloodborne were the actual dungeons, um, the chalice dungeons. I didn't yeah. find them interesting. They were annoying. They were repetitive. Um, some, some of them like the, uh, the cursed, Dumerian dungeons was really cheap. The or the defiled one, oh, um, so annoying. <laughs> super annoying boss fights in that one. But um, yeah, overall, you know, one of my favorites of all time. But I think it was just an add-on they had that you know you you are you already basically get your money's worth for sure in the story and the DLC. And if you want to do the dungeons, you can. If you don't, don't worry about it. But it's something to give you a little bit of extra annoying-ass challenge that they know people are after. Right. Once I don't think I've done ever... everything there is to do. Right. I don't think I've ever played a Souls game that I didn't feel like I got my money's worth on. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, so... I didn't care for Dark Souls 3 as much. Um, I'm one of those weirdos that actually preferred Dark Souls 2 to Dark Souls 3. I think you wouldn't be alone in that. A lot of most people feel that way from what I've seen. I think it had the better story and it had a little bit more better lore in it. Um, Dark Souls one is still the best demon souls. You can take it or leave it. It's a pretty rough game, I think. Um, But Bloodborne kind of takes the cake and I would absolutely love to see a Bloodborne two come out. I think you'd probably be in the same boat. They were teasing a little bit, but I know we were expecting for a while and I guess what it turned out to be was just Elden Rings instead. Yeah. Or that other, you know, weren't they going to have like a remastered or something? And that's what it was. Yeah. They're still in the talks of remastering Bloodborne, but just make a second one. Yeah. And like I said, even with the, the Chalice Dungeons, again, you haven't played it in a long time. It was something that got you to pick it back up because you said, there's this other thing that I can do that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it may not have been great, but still, it was something to get you back into the game. You right. know what I mean? So when they put out the DLC, the old Hunters DLC was fantastic, man. It was super good, had a lot of good stuff in it, um, it. super hard. But well, I'm also a big fan of Lovecraftian things in general. Yeah, same. As long as it's done well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just an interesting twist to put into like a Souls game, you know? Yeah, I think that was more of an experimental thing that they were doing, and I think that has kind of led them to where Elden Ring is kind of going now. Yeah. So we'll we'll see, but uh, I'm excited. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, Bloodborne's definitely up there for me, just because of the, again the uh, the immersive factor. Mm -hmm. Again, a great. Again, when you when you get a game that's you know, so on rails, you could say, you know, you tune out, you don't listen. You want a game where you're engaged and there's no better game than the souls games. As far as you better be engaged or you're not going to, you're not going to be able to play it. I don't know who, who plays bloodborne or souls games casually. Mm-hmm. It must be some kind of psychopath if they're out there. You know what I mean? It's not a casual game. And that's yeah. kind of the joke behind it. The running joke. Yeah. Yeah. So you, just about immersion, story, graphics, you know. Like I said, I think my top three would definitely be The Witcher, New Vegas, and Bloodborne. They might I think that might be my top three of all time. And they and they and they, you know, switches between one or the other, depending. I'll tell you what, I've, 
I've got one out there that's kind of a little bit of a, I think a lot of people would probably agree with me on this one, but it's definitely outside of the norm for, you know, what we talk about, but um, Stardew Valley is one of my favorite games of all time. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. I love that game. It's fantastic. That's the only game they play. They have a switch in their house and they play Stardew Valley when they're not working or in their free time. And that's the only game they play. Shelby has actually beaten that on her own. There you go. <laughs> Which a lot of people love that game. Spectacular, yeah. I don't know anything about it. Oh, man, it's great. It's great. Even mm-hmm. if you're not into, like, farming games or things it's like that. Your crops are good, and... It's very and addicting. That's <laughs> what it is. That's what it, yeah. And you can you can do it however you want. Like if you if you just prefer fishing, you can go out and make plenty of money just fishing, which is what I like doing. I like to go on fishing and catching rare fish and um, cool things like that. There's a mine where you can go as you know you got to go like 50 levels down, you know, and it's it's pretty intense to fight different things while you're in the mine and collect all this cool stuff. Um, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of everything. There's relationship building if you want to get a wife and a baby and or you want to upgrade your house and make your house better with a kitchen and you want to cook in there. There's everything in there for anybody. Yeah. It's, it's that immersion factor. And again, that's what, I mean, I would say that red dead's up there in my top five, but it just gets killed so much because of those long narrative points that you have to slog through and you get, you get bored half the time. And a lot of people don't make it past the damn, the winter part. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I talked to several people. They just can't, you know, they zone out. They get bored. Tough. It's, it's, it's all it's a it's a it's a movie. You know, you, you need immersion. You need your character to do something. Yep. But, you know, once you get into Red Dead and you can get to the part where you're hunting or fishing or, or, or going after a bounty or, or doing a train robbery or that kind of stuff, it's great. But it's just a slog to get there, to get through the boring stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's a slow burner for sure. Yeah. yeah. And again, Bloodborne immediately, you're in it. Don't oh fuck. yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> there's there's no chill in that game. It's a big ass werewolf. You don't have any weapons yep, and it's coming it. to kill you. It's yep. coming to kill you right now. Figure the game out. Figure out all the controls right now. Yep. Figure- <laughs> yep. Oh, you're dead. What a shame. Yep. yep. Sucks. All right. Now we'll give you an axe, and guess what? You're going to go back and die again. Uh, by the way, you're not going to be able to do any upgrading until you kill the first boss. Yeah, so good luck Fox. with that, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, so it's that immersion factor that some of those big games need to work on and understand mm-hmm. that people just don't care. You mm-hmm. know, you play a game, you want to play a game. You know, I don't care about this r- ridiculous story. Mm-hmm. put that in and that's secondary yeah 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 you for me story comes first that's yeah. that's for me story comes first then gameplay mechanics um pretty much come second like as long as the story is good i can stay hooked and i can get through a lot of things but if the story isn't good and it's not hooking me i'm not going to want to play it well see i'm i'm the opposite because a, a game can have a really great story you know, like a movie or whatever. But if the mechanics suck, I'm just not going to be sucked in, and I'm just going to get bored and go do something else. No. Like I, a perfect example, and I know got killed, and it was a shame because it was by the same people that did New Vegas was uh, the, the Outer Worlds again. A, 
so many great things going for it. So many, mm-hmm. a, a, a really interesting story. What really interesting setting scenes. Uh, the graphics were, you know, good for oh. a, a game like that. Better than Bethesda's games. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it had all these things going for it, but it was the mechanics. It was just, you know, when you shoot at an enemy, like it just wasn't fun. You know, yeah. you, in, in new Vegas, when you, when you, the VAT system aiming at somebody blowing a head off, uh, uh, trying to take down the death claw, it was fun. But in that game, it was just so dry mm-hmm. and it didn't matter. It was that one point about it because it had everything else going for it, Gordon. And I think most people would agree, but its mechanics were just so poor that it didn't matter. It doesn't matter for a video game. It just didn't matter. Yeah. And, and, and the, uh, I'd say the critical response would reflect that and how it's sold and how it's received today. Nobody talks about that game. Nope. And everybody should be, you know, it's, but again, people would rather go back and play new Vegas instead. Yeah. I think that was the only thing that kept me moving through fallout four. Um, the, the, the engine is old and outdated. It was garbage. Um, the gameplay mechanics were subpar for a game made during that time period. Um, but at the very least it had a decent enough story and a decent enough setting that I enjoyed, you know, discovering new things and, and just kind of exploring a little bit, but also, uh, I was at least yeah. somewhat interested in where the story was taking me for the most part. That exploration factor as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, for me, it's not a good game. You know, I don't think fallout four is a great game. Um, I think it's fun, better than most. It's just, let me ask you this. Do you think we will ever see a good Fallout game? Hmm. I think, yeah, eventually. Within the next, hopefully, five to ten years. I think we'll have one. I think that they've hopefully listened enough to know that they need to fix their game engine, which is what they supposedly have done to make that new... uh, <clears throat> sci-fi game that they're making um taking taking place in outer space yeah i didn't know about that yeah i can't remember the name of it um but it's it's a game that they're making that's that's going to be kind of a multi-planetary open world open universe type of game um with kind of a fallout vibe to it yeah of course the elder scroll 6 is coming out as well so i assume that they're going to be using the same engine for both of those games so yeah. I think that's really the only thing that's been holding them back from making a good game for a while is just their outdated engines. It's, it's so out of date. Yeah, it was. It's pretty wild. I so. still have fun playing fallout for, you know, you put on some, you know, tunes and just sit back and just wander around the wasteland, find different things, do what you want to do. Yeah. I like the mechanics of, of the, I mean, you can spend so much time just building a shelter and once and with the uh, vault DLC, I love it. It 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 puts some people off because it's annoying to figure out at the beginning of how to build a vault. But once you figure it out and you can build all the different rooms and you can make this awesome kick-ass shelter that's impenetrable, you know, you're way underground, you got a big ass door guarding you, you can make all the rooms you want, and it can just be your little sanctuary. It's really fun, but some people, you know. It is annoying to figure out how to do it because it is a, a decently complex uh, system. 
But mm-hmm. I, I did like that mechanic of being able to build your own settlement, have your own sanctuary and be your, you know, you're the big guy in the wasteland. Don't mess with me, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of games, they don't have that kind of mechanic. You know, you're just wandering around. That's also, I like the Witcher is because at the end of the last DLC, you get your own house. You can equip, you know, make things awesome. Uh, I like how you can display your armors and all the weapons you've collected over your vast career of, of killing everyone. You know, I like that aspect of the game too. Just having like your sanctuary, your doom fortress. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you want to move on to TV shows, Gordon? Yeah, absolutely. Favorite TV show of all time. Hit us with it, Gordon. That's tough, man. There's a lot of really great TV shows out there. I mean, yeah. you can you can the last talk, 20 years it's been ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you can talk Dexter, you can talk Breaking Bad. Um mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd still probably I'd have to go back to like Scrubs being my uh-huh. favorite TV show of all time. I guess if I had to, you know, gun to my head. Um, it's the one that I've watched the most and the one I, I just enjoy on repeat viewings of it. So Something much. you can put on. Yeah, characters are good. Writing is great. You know, it had a lot of good comedy in it with a lot of really great um, dramatic scenes. Just everything about it is just fantastic of a show. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as of late, there's been some really good shows out. Um, what, uh, what What's it called? Uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Um, super good show. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows. Absolutely loving that show. Yeah. Um, if you if you ever watched the film, the film was very very funny. Um, yeah, it's Taiki Waititi. It's been a wild time for TV. You know, it wasn't you know too long ago that if you were known as a as an actor that did TV, you were kind of looked down upon. Yeah, you're kind of an outcast a little bit. Yeah. But now yeah. oh, all the big names TV? are going towards TV. Oh boy, you even the big not... directors are yeah, going you're... towards TV. Yeah, your your career was the gutter if you were a TV show actor and you weren't going to get to be in a movie. I think there's like maybe five, ten examples. You know, I know I, George Clooney was one that was able to transition from being a TV actor in that time to a movie mm-hmm. actor, but it did it just didn't happen. You know, it was a there was a a, a stigma to it, a taboo, if you will. And uh, why do you think that changed? It just changed. Just what when it comes to a TV show and a weekly TV show at that, I think Robin Williams was one yep. that summed it up best because he said somebody had asked him, "What what are people when they come up into the street? You know, do they say, uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, uh, make make a comment about Miss Doubtfire or." or the genie or any one of the other many movies he was in, he'd say, no, most people that would come up to me still would refer to me as Mork. Right. Right. You know, happy days and Mork and Mindy, because there is a, you know, there's a almost a romantic kind of relationship where TV once a week in the house with the family, that's the thing to do. You know, and like I said, it's just it's a connection with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit more this. This may or may not be the right way to describe it, but almost intimate. Yeah, that's that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. 
And you know, you, you're with, with these, uh, with this cast and this crew, not just for an hour and a half, but in some cases years, right. You know, decades. Yeah. You're, you're constantly checking in on them every week, almost, you know, and, and it goes from season to season, you know, and, uh, Breaking Bad, you know, six years, the Soprano, what was it, eight, Game of Thrones, eight, you know, seasons. You're with these characters. You know these characters. You know, you discuss your family with these characters, and it's just a medium that you can really grow a connection with as an audience member. And I think that's a big part of what separates it from movies. Mm-hmm. And wow, why it's had such, you know, the, the surge that it has in the last 20 years. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah, I think that that's that's important that you you're almost kind of developing this relationship with the characters. You know, you're picking out the ones you like, the ones you dislike. Um, you're following story arcs and character arcs. You're you're there's a lot of things going on that you can't really get from just you know a, an hour and a half, two and a half hour movie, um, yeah. as often or as well sometimes. Um, and allows you to to take a story in different directions and, um kind of explore things a little bit deeper that a movie just doesn't have the time to be able yes. to do. Yes. Really get into the little details and some of the ones that might really matter if you're right. a consumer of a story. I think that's one of the reasons, like um, one of the best examples is uh, David Fincher. David Fincher has started to get more into the TV shows rather than, than making movies because it allows him to develop his characters a little bit more and get which a little bit deeper into the details of stories. Yeah. Which is what he does so well. Yeah. I think it would be a good medium for uh, Quentin Tarantino too, but he's such a movie fan. Yeah. I don't and see again, him. Doing he's it. one of those old school guys that was probably one that looked down upon TV. Oh, you're a TV actor. I do film. I do right. movies, sir. Right. We don't do uh, garbage, uh, you know, uh, uh, soap operas on the side. We actually have real actors that are trained. But yeah, it would be a great medium for him to get into because I mean his his movies are getting so ridiculously long. You got the hateful eight four hours. It's like I know you want to do more, but you can't because you're, you're you're limited. You're, you're limited. Yeah, you're limited in your medium that you that you, you will live and die by. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Tarantino would be a fantastic transition into uh, TV shows, yeah. you know, HBO series, something like that. Showtime, anything. All his stuff is character based. It's all right. character based. and It's all dialogue. And that's t- perfect. That's 90 percent of TV. Yeah, it would be perfect for TV and it would give them the opportunity to set up so many cliffhangers and different story arcs branching in different directions. I mean, half of his movies are divided into parts. Yeah, exactly. Which is basically what, what TV shows are doing. But he's just such a diehard fan. I just don't ever see him making that leap ever. I don't either. Never I, I think it might be something he, he would possibly do at the end of his career, you know, or, like you know, when he gets really old. Maybe. But, we'll see. That's just the kind of guy he is. But yeah, it's, it's the... He doesn't understand that, that that medium is great for that reason, you know, mm-hmm. to really flesh out a character if you need to. All the great characters in TV. I mean, again, can you imagine, like, let's say they did Breaking Bad in, like, a two-hour feature? 
They kind of did with uh, Jesse Eisenberg, didn't they? And what? Or, or uh, not Jesse Eisenberg, or Pinkman, Jesse Pinkman. Um, the uh, uh, L, L. Well, that was a, uh, that was like an add on. Right. I mean, it was like a, yeah, it was a, a spin off. A... It was basically a spin off, kind of like uh, Better Call Saul. I wouldn't um, say it was kind of like a wrap up. It was kind of like, hey, you a... remember this character in the best show you ever saw? Well, this is what happened to him a couple weeks after that show, and then it was over. Right, right. <laughs> and but, it was fun. It was fun. You know, I, I watched it. I liked it. I wouldn't say it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. It, it didn't – it wasn't as well-received because it didn't have the time to explore that character a little bit deeper um, when he was on his own because it, it was it was a movie, right? It, it was turned, It was a movie. Yeah, it was a feature. I watched it. I rewatched Breaking Bad, the whole series, about maybe six months ago, and I watched that afterwards. And again, it's kind of like an episode, just a regular episode after afterwards, you know. And it, it doesn't really do anything more definitive. Mm-hmm. You know, they could do another one right now if they wanted to. Yeah, you know. Well, so. I think there's um like I think where um Tarantino could possibly get into this type of medium is those limited show runs. So yeah. um, Chernobyl. Yeah. Stuff like that. Fantastic TV show, but it's, it's yeah. a limited run. And if he did something like that, I think it'd be perfect. Yeah. I like a lot of those. Yeah. I'd say my favorite TV show of all time would probably have to be breaking bad though, without a doubt. It's just such a great, it, it's just so solid. Every episode. It's fantastic. And a lot of shows you watch, yeah, there were good shows, but there's like three episodes here they didn't need, three episodes in this season that could have gone and nobody would cry about it. Breaking Bad is such a great package. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, five, six solid seasons. It ends where it needed to end. It didn't do any more. I mean, they added El Camino, but that ain't a part of the show. You know, that's an extra. It's just so tight. You know what I mean? Yeah, all the characters are great. Uh, Character arcs. Yeah. Great. So many good things they do with so many characters. And I would say, I mean, for a long time ago, I said Game of Thrones is definitely passing this up. And it was. The stuff, I know you hate it, Gordon. We talked about it a thousand times. But when it comes to characters, there's so many rich characters in Game of Thrones. There's just little throwaway characters that, that that in other shows you would give two shits about but in oh, game of thrones it's like this guy's my favorite no 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 this guy's my favorite no 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 i love this guy no they could do a whole show about this guy and this guy over here they could also do their own spin-off a whole movie i'd i'd, I'd see three of them and that's what makes that so great is is so many rich characters are thrown at you and they do so many good things with them that you wouldn't expect that they don't do in other mediums Mm-hmm. So you got so many good characters, you can afford to get rid of two or three. Can right. you imagine if they killed Walt off in season <laughs> two of Breaking Bad? There's nobody left. Nobody cares about anybody else in this show. Right. It's ruined. You you so have you, to have a lot of characters yeah. and a lot of good characters for you to be able to do something like that. Like yeah, yeah. And and as you saw in Breaking Bad, when Walt died, the show died. It was done. You know, because that's who you're there for. In Breaking or in uh, Game of Thrones, pardon, you're there for so many, it doesn't matter, and, and anything could happen. 
And it was just those last couple seasons, Gordon, that they just were just really the last season, really. The last season, the last four or five episodes was just like, how could how could they do this? It's just like pissing on the Mona Lisa halfway when it's about when when Leonardo is about to put the finishing touches on somebody just comes over and says let me just piss all over it oh now it looks much better <laughs> that's what it was like just picture that that's what it was like it really I just yeah they just draw like a wiener on it yeah it's like oh Leonardo what are you doing here come on that now that's gonna stick that's gonna be historical <laughs> and again just because of the last couple episodes of something that could have been so great it smacked it all the way back down. And again, Breaking Bad, I still think is the best because of that. But it was close, Gordon. <laughs> you don't even know how close. <laughs> if only uh, that big uh, bearded bastard George Martin could have finished it, then maybe. But I don't think, I don't know if he's stuck in it. Because again, once uh, once that show got popular, Gordon, that's, that's something he never had to deal with. Now, I mean, he was completely focused on on putting that narrative together and making it insanely good. But now he's in an era where, you know, you can, you can work on your book today, or you can go to a fucking convention in Indiana and make, you know, uh, $20,000. Right. Yeah. And it's just, he's just so distracted. I don't know if it'll ever be done, Gordon, and that'd be a real shame. Yeah, it's uh, probably, it probably will be, but, you know, it's uh, it's too late at this point. He's so old now, Gordon. I mean, and he does not look healthy. He could die any day. <laughs> yeah. If he gets COVID, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's done. Yeah. He's one of them guys. There's a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but, and it would be such a shame because like I said, Gordon, I know I've told you many times, but that, that show, when it comes to characters, there is no show that even comes close, <clears throat> not even a little bit. Check it out. Game of Thrones. Yep. You haven't seen it. You yep. tell me. But uh, we'll move on to movies. Yeah, I guess we better get on to the big dog movies. What this podcast is centered around, Gordon, cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, a, an outlet. You know, the whole point of movies and the whole point of when we first started this podcast, Gordon, years ago, 2014. I came up with the name Screen Kings, but I was kind of against it because I thought it put us in such a corner to only speak about you know, movies, TV, and, and games. But, you know, the more I get into it, the, and, and just the way life's been going the last couple of years, you just see what a great escape that it is for cinema. Because, I mean, you can go to any thousands of podcasts out there and just hear about random shit or politics, tons of politics and everything. And movies are supposed to be that great escape for you. You know what I mean? I think that's what I felt the hardest with COVID was not being able to go. I know it's kind of a first world problem, but not being able to go to like the movie theater and like watch films, you know, when they're first coming out, that that was one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. It's an escape for people and it has been for a long time. And, you know, people want to really delve deep into making it something that it isn't and making it, you know, everybody's the Oscars, just how, just how stupid it is, you know, when a lot of these people are playing pretend and they really take themselves so seriously when at the end of the day, you're just supposed to be an escape from people. 
Right. Well, and I think that's the beautiful thing about film is you can separate the actor from the character. Yeah. You yeah, can that's hate true. Somebody's as well. guts, you know, like personally, you and I are on the same page. We hate Tom Hanks. Right. As a person. But we love Forrest Gump. But we love his films, right? Yeah. He is a great actor. I'll give yeah. him chops, you know, credit where it's it's deserved, but I don't have to like him as a person to, you know, yeah. to like his films. That's Shelby's in that boat with like Tom Cruise. She absolutely uh, hates Tom Cruise. I'm the same way. I, that's that's a known thing. So but he's my least he, favorite. He has great films out. He's a good action um, actor. I will say I won't see a lot of his films just because I hate him that much. There's there's some of his more <laughs> like obscure films that I liked. Uh, Valkyrie is one of them that I really liked. Um, I remember that was actually a really great movie. Um, Edge of Tomorrow, great films, just different. But you know, yeah, I, I don't like him as a person either. He seems like he really sucks as a, as an yeah. individual, just screaming at people like a tyrant on the sets of films. He's an insane person, definitely. Bottom line, right? But it does take that mindset a lot of times to make a really great actor. You got it. I mean, when it comes to being a great actor, and this is just my opinion on my short time in the field, is in a way it's something you're born with, but it's also a mindset of being just thinking you're the greatest. You know, there's a pride mechanism that I'm going to go on and I'm going to put on this amazing performance that nobody's going to be able to top. And just that insanity factor, you can make it to the highest ranks in Hollywood. Look at Nicolas Cage. That is his mindset, that he is the greatest actor of all time. And I know there's kids in high school that could act circles around him. Sure. So it's just that just that mindset. Right. But I think a perfect I, example of that uh, now, because character actors are, uh, are um, what's it called? People that like really get into their role, like outside of method. the, what is it? Method. Method actors, yes. Uh, Jared Leto is a perfect example of one of these insane people that just like is so uh, in quotations dedicated to their craft. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I don't even think he's that great of an actor, to be honest. No, he, he's not. He but, um, you know, he wants people to think he is right. He's he is pretty. I think I think he's the type of person that very much thinks highly of himself as, yeah. as an actor. And again, that's all you need to be great. Right. That's all a lot of people care about. Right. Because it doesn't take a whole lot of talent to play pretend. Right. In front of a camera. Where you get these guys that. My brain surgery. Right. Where you get these guys, some of them out there that don't even like the fame. Daniel Day Lewis is a perfect example of that. Yeah. He could give a shit less if he is famous or not. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to be in the limelight. Yeah. He comes out, you know, once every five, seven years to do a film. And he crushes it and he wins best actor because yeah. he is so good at what he does and he doesn't need to brag about it or go on all these tours to talk about how amazing his role was. And what He's he a did. rare breed to say the least, especially in Hollywood. Definitely. Definitely. But yeah. But at the end of the day, it's cool that I, I think the main thing about movies is and the medium, the escapism is the escapism of it is you can ask a thousand a hundred thousand different people what their favorite movie is and they'll all have a different answer you know and i think that's a big thing about how bs 
the whole critics system is because the movies are so, I mean, it's a, it's an art piece, you know, it's, it's what did it mean to you? Maybe a certain time in your life. I used to put a lot of stock into rotten tomatoes and yeah. now I I could care less what it's I actually, things. yeah. What I actually prefer doing now is I'll look at the critic scores and then I'll look at the audience scores and I'll right. average them out. Um, exactly. Cause there's been plenty of movies that were critically hailed as fantastic films and then the audiences hated it. And yeah. there's, there's a difference of like, <clears throat> you know, like 30, 40, even 50% sometimes on the critic score and the audience score. And there's so much politics in it now. Right. It's, that's the biggest thing is the politics. It's ridiculous. I mean, again, that, that's the, the thing killing the industry. Cause at the end of the day, folks, movies are about escapism, about getting away from that. It's not about scores. It's about, it, somebody could say it's the worst movie in the world, but you could love it. And that, and guess what? You're both right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the fucking critics say or what they love. It's about what you like. You know what I mean? And what it meant to you again, where you were at in life, who you saw it with. Maybe you saw this movie with a group of friends when you were in high school. And that's why it's your favorite movie of all time. And guess what? You're just as right as somebody who studied dramatic film in college for 10 years and says the greatest acting is a cause be a, right. A, right. Citizen Kane. And how could you be so foolish not to pick that? Your most, uh, the cinematography was next to it's nonsense. So it's yep. again, it's an art form. It's, it, it, it's abstract. It's whatever you want it to be. Right. I and that's what I like about, you know, doing a podcast like this is, yep. you know, we talk about, I don't want to do get in too much to be a, a critic perhaps, but more of a, you know, an entertainment factor. Talk about how, you know, different aspects of films, the fun things, do games, you know, kind of stuff like that. You know what I mean, right. Gordon? Right. I think that's one of the biggest issues with the uh, Hollywood elite and the critics, at least for, for Hollywood and film is they have become so liberal at this point on mm-hmm their opinions and this yeah. is not to offend anyone out there listening it's just the facts only one opinion to them and if it doesn't support their values and their principles as a as a viewer then it's not a good film as gina carano yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there you go yeah and he can't have a different opinion or you're out right so right. If, you, if you do have a different opinion keep it to yourself shut the fuck up <laughs> stay in line right that's, that's why uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm a big supporter of, of John Krasinski and, and him making his own movies. They have a lot of conservative values in his films yeah. um, and he doesn't need anybody else to tell him otherwise, you know, yeah. to Maybe. put him in a certain box where he has to perform a certain way to, to get the awards that he wants. He can still make the films he wants and they're still great films, whether you like them or not. The medium's getting bogged down and on top of COVID and all the restrictions with it, it's just, I mean, it was already going downhill. I mean, look at look at the uh, Oscars uh, uh, ratings the past couple of years. I mean, it's just blow your mind. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the one of the funnier ones. Just to touch back on uh, uh, TV shows that we were watching, um, I used to love Brooklyn Nine Nine. One of my favorite shows. Fantastic show. Super funny. Good stuff. Um, it was always a little bit more left-leaning and they always made jokes at like conservative expense. And I didn't have a problem with that whatsoever. Right. I enjoyed that because it was still poking fun and it was still funny. You know what yeah. I mean? They started the newest season with only COVID jokes and George Floyd 
jokes and things like that. Absolutely. And it was just cramming this political ideal up our asses so hard that I had to turn it off. I told Shelby, I was like, turn this shit off. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't get past five minutes of the first episode. Well, and it's also just the fact that if a lot of shows don't do that kind of crap, they get backlash. Yeah. They're just appeasing the, the, the lowest common denominator. That's always going to be out there when again, uh, the whole medium is supposed to be about escapism. We're not supposed to be worried about politics in this right. little hour and a half. Right. Yes. I know what you think. Okay. You know what I think. Neither one of us should care when it comes to our entertainment factor. You know what I mean? That's supposed to be uh, with sports fans too. I know they feel the same way. Keep politics out of it. This is our escapism. If I want politics, you know, I'll uh, watch a political journal or something right. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm so sick of, of watching soccer players kneel before the start of a match. Every, yeah. every match I watch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It's supposed to be a form of escape escapism. And uh, I read an article about the new Brooklyn nine, nine series uh, or the new uh, season of it. And they all were saying that they felt it was their duty yeah. as actors and showmakers to really bring this stuff to the light to make sure that people understood how important it was. Well, picture this, Gordon. You're you're in the meeting and you're talking about what's going to be on the next show and somebody brings up anything like that. Are you going to be the guy to say, no, I don't want to do the 10 George Floyd jokes and all this. I want to just uh, do a regular episode. You're fucking gone. Yeah, you're out. You're fucking gone. Yeah. You're not going to be asked back. So. That's just the world of, of, of entertainment these days. And I think it's a really ugly thing. That's why we got to go back and talk about the Goonies and Back to the Future and all these other shows where, again, everybody on it was, was super left, but they didn't cram any political ideology in any of those movies. That's what I love about South Park, man. I've been going back and watching all the old episodes. Do you know how yeah. many times they call each other faggots in those episodes? All the time. It's hilarious. It every time. Right. And and nobody was getting offended back then when they were saying that shit. Nobody yeah, was. And if people were, nobody cared. Nobody right. cared. Just tell right. them. They're like, oh, I guess it's just not a show for you then. You're just not yeah. your type of show. Go watch something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's just where we're at right now. And again, that's why I like doing this podcast because we really get to center around the old stuff, the good stuff, and still get to be film fans, even in this we'll say dark times because I know a lot of, I'm sure a ton of people, thousands of people in Hollywood would agree, but it's just this mob mindset's been put out where if you say anything, any little thing out of line, it's witch, burn the witch Mm -hmm. and you're canceled. You have no career no more. And now you're going to have to afford that $4,000 studio apartment serving (laughs) tables at the fucking, you know, or, or working at the in and out burger. That's your options. So well, I think I think the good thing is um, those opinions and what is happening and what we've been seeing happening over the last couple of years, that's starting to change a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, very, very slow to change. And we'll probably get back to like square one again in another fallacy. Yeah, right. but it is starting to change. And some of those voices that are uh, dissenting against this, the standard Hollywood way of doing things are starting to become a little bit more powerful and a little bit more heard. That's what so it's going to take. I'm excited for film in that sense. I hope that it, that kind of goes back to 
just at least a break even stand, you know, point where like, all right, anybody can make whatever they want. And if you're offended by it, you don't have to watch it. Nobody's going to crucify these people over making movies they want to watch. Um, But you need to shift it to where the, the, the merits of the film weren't, did it include this person, this group, this ideology? And it's, was it a good movie? Right. That's That's what it needs. I don't care. You know, who it focused on because again that's that's the the merits the oscars are using now right you you can't submit your films to the oscars right now if it doesn't include this this and that right it it matter is it a good movie right it started after they supposedly snubbed all black uh, best actors from that category at some point which they didn't really snub they just didn't include them because nobody deserved it and again, if you're going to be one of those guys that's going to say, well, I don't really, you're out. <laughs> don't even start. Okay. Oh. You either agree, you submit, or you're gone. Right. It should all, no just, argument. It should all just come to, was it a good film or not? One of my favorite yeah. films of all times is Call Me By Your Name, which is about two guys exploring their homosexuality in Italy. It is nice. one of the most liberal movies that you could ever see in your entire life. And I love it. It is a fantastic yeah. movie. It is beautifully shot. It's well acted. The characters are great. Has great music in it. Everything is perfect about that film to me. Yeah. But I'm not losing my shit over it because it's two guys making out with one another. Yeah. Because the director didn't have in mind, I'm going to try to do this because of this. He said, I want to make a good movie. And mm-hmm. the story happened to center around this. And yeah. guess what? Audiences can tell the fucking difference. Yeah. The guy okay. made the guy that, that directed it uh, focuses on like sexual movies. Like all of his movies are sexually charged movies. Some of his yeah. older films, Tilda Swinton is one of his older films and it's pretty graphic, but like it's, it's her and, and a dude, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. It doesn't seem like he just right. wants to make good films about something that he's interested in, which yeah. is human sexuality and passion and things yeah. like desire. That is yeah. his focus. If you're going to have all this stuff in the movie, don't build a movie around it. Make you know, you know, it's a, it's a side, uh, a side part of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're starting from square one. We need this group, this ideology, this in the movie, and then you build the story around it. That's not how it works. It's it's the story first, then you know, build. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely agree. It's, it's just very tiresome. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, actually has a lot of conservative themes in it and people didn't seem to care when it came out as well was uh children of men. Yeah. That entire film is centered around making sure that this chick has a baby. Yeah. Despite all the war and all the things that are going on around it, it's the most important thing to them as a human race is to continue to have children. Right. And that would, you'd never see that today. They get crucified <laughs> today. Yeah. For making yeah. a film. That like would be it. You'd be finished. Right. In the business. Right. Or it'd get so snubbed and, Get so many negative uh, 50 or 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, not not my film. Yeah. I voted for the one with all the, uh, you know, the uh, the trigger words in it. Yeah. Let me you ask know, you this, Tom. The we, right we, themes. We've definitely gotten a little bit more uh, political <laughs> on this discussion than I, I, I guess I intended, but. Well, it's, it's the, it's, it's where we're at right now in yeah, film. It is. It and is. it's it's unavoidable at right. this point. It's it everything. It, it controls every aspect of film now. You know? Lum, and lum. 
let me ask you this then. Let's let's kind of turn the the corner a little bit here. For you, and this is going to be a little bit more of a different approach. What do you see as probably your best movie of maybe the 21st century? Like the last 10 years or so of films, what do you see as the best film of the last of of that particular time period? I'd have to really think about it. I don't know. Because I've been considering that lately, and I, I I actually have an answer, and it might it might surprise you. Well, I think that's a that's a good thing, Gordon. Because, like I said, where I'm at right now, you know, yes, me that film, greatest film of all time. I mean, that usually I I was always usually gonna say Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, because they are just so well done and such a great story. But at the end of the day, I don't want to. I just don't want to go watch them again. You know, and at the end of the day, film should be what are you entertained by? Mm-hmm. Right now, I'd say greatest film of all time for me right now is Return of the Living Dead because I could go watch that movie right now and be really entertained because I just <laughs> love that fucking movie. Yeah. I love everything about it. Sure. Love the setting. Love uh, the story, as stupid and campy as it is. But at the end of the day, I'd watch it right now. And that's what matters to me at this moment, Gordon. Is what's sure. going to entertain me? Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah. But where are you at with it? I was I was just thinking about it recently. Uh, probably one of the most influential movies to me of this past ten years um, was The Social Network. Yeah, didn't see that one. So so good. That's David Fincher at the top of his game. Jesse Eisenberg at the top of his game. Army Hammer at the top of his game. A lot of legends. uh, Justin Timberlake, you know, maybe not peaking, you know, at the top of his game (laughs) there, right? But still, like, enjoyable as a film star, you know, for what it is. Not a great actor, but he did a good job. It's just the dialogue in this film. I was actually listening to a podcast recently that was talking about it, and David Fincher actually timed them on saying their lines and if you ever watch the trailer or you ever watch the movie um every every line of dialogue is just like spitfire it's all fast fast paced really fast moving it's almost like there's this uh sense of urgency in everything that's being done and said in this film um yeah. and the the music helps drive that a little bit but um he was timing them throughout the entire thing he'd be like all right let's do this scene um okay so if you think that that was fast make it four times faster. All right. Yeah. Do it four times faster than you just did it right there. And that's how fast it needs to be when you're saying your dialogue. So it's just, it's so well crafted and it's so well done. The writing on it is just perfect. Um, it's talking about one of the most important things to come out of the, the two thousands, which was Facebook, you know, yeah. not even, you know, <laughs> for a lot of people, it's not important, but it is, it's one of the most influential things to ever happen to us as human beings. Well, I think a lot of people might not think it's important now, but I think it'll definitely be as, as, as influential as it is on our culture right now. It'll be in the history books for sure. That's what people don't realize. Right. I, I can't think, I, honestly, I cannot think of anything that has been more influential or as, huge to human development and and evolution in the last 20 years than Facebook. Yeah. Facebook, social media in general. I can't, I can't think of anything else. Even the access people have to the other social media websites out there, Twitter, uh, TikTok, you name it. Facebook is still at the forefront of all of them. 
Yeah. But yeah. I, I was just, yeah, I was considering that for a while and I was, I don't know why, but um, I, I rewatched it not too long ago and I, I had forgotten just how good of a film it is. It is just, it's so well done. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, it's up there in, in one of the class, you know, just class. T- yeah. Masterclass. Yeah. yeah as far as the, the craft me. of filmmaking goes. Yes. It's, I mean, I might say uh, John Wick. I really I like John that. Wick, you know, and again, it's just a fun movie that I could just put on and turn my brain off and enjoy for an hour and a half. Right. You know, you get into your moods. And again, I'm in that mood right now where I just want to enjoy things. Yeah. And it's sometimes, kinda... yeah, you're, you're in a mood where you, you want great story. And sometimes you're in a mood where you just want to watch the most depressing things possible. Let me put the road on with Viggo Mortensen. Oh, man, that, that's a dark one. Now you really want a dark movie. Watch that one, folks. That's a great, that's a great book, too. Yeah, yeah. So, again, just where you're at, you know, in film. And, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I just want to watch something stupid like John Wick and just chill Kind of turn your brain off for, for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand that. I go through those phases as well. And then yeah. just enjoy my film and not worry about it. And again, Hollywood's making it very difficult at this point. <laughs> yeah. I don't I think, want to do too much more into politics, but I think we'll see a renaissance here soon. I think, I think it'll too. I feel I like it'll happen. Maybe give it a year or two, possibly when theaters well, I don't know if theaters will ever go back to normal again, but <clears throat> I think we will see something like that occur. Um, it's possible. But either way, I mean, I feel like a big part of it is I remember back when I was in high school, you know, going back like 10, 11 years, they were telling a lot of us millennials. And a big thing was safe spaces. You remember that, Gordon? Mm -hmm. It was like you kids when you with your fucking safe spaces, when you get out into the real world and you actually have to do things and not everything's attended to what you want to do, then you're, you know, you're going to be done for. And that's what everybody thought. Once these people got out and they got regular jobs doing regular things, then they're going to man up a little bit and not be so sensitive about everything and learn how the world works. But in my opinion, that is not what has happened. Gordon. What happened was they got out. They got a lot of jobs as interns, a lot of jobs as associates, a lot of jobs, hopping companies running marketing and saying, we need this and this and that. And now, Gordon, I think the number one problem is the world is being turned into a safe space. Yeah. I think that actually, if I had to point to a place where it stemmed from is college. So many people were pushed towards going to college and it developed this hive mind, this almost echo chamber of everybody believing this or that. And um it kind of and if you don't and if you go against it god help you because your teacher is going to bring you up and embarrass you in front of everyone or tell you you're stupid or god forbid expel you or whatever you know kick you out yep you don't pass this class because you don't have the right ideology right so everybody's entitled right now i think that's what it is everyone is entitled to their piece of the pie and they think they deserve everything yeah. in the world and everybody Morality, thinks special. you don't deserve anything no they don't you gotta work for everything you got and don't Damn complain right. when you don't have everything 
Damn right. Yeah. Well, Gordon, that's why we would, like I said, have the escape of movies. Just not worry about it all for a little while. Why don't you take 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 a retrospective, folks? Look in look inside. You know, look look at what you really enjoy playing this week. You know, don't focus on what you know the critics say is great. You know, remember a movie that is really special to you, and just sit down and watch it and have a good time. Maybe email us about it. Tell us what you think. And hopefully next week we won't have as dire pod. Maybe we can also find somebody that wants to join us, be a bigger part. Get us up at screenkingspod at gmail.com. This has been a little bit of a downer pod, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Again, just where I'm at right now. It'll get better. We'll bounce back next week. Hopefully maybe we'll get a Vegas pod going and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be. I think that'll be a, a good pickup from uh, yeah. from the last one. But it's, my, it's been a nice little fun filler pod just to yeah. fill in the gap until some of these other turds decide to join us again. Talk it out a little bit. Get a little bit of a uh, – what's that thing you go to once a week, Gordon, once a month? A little bit of uh, the psychologist sets you down in the chair. Therapy? Yeah, there you go. A little bit of therapy <laughs> this week. Yeah. Yeah, just talk things out a little bit, but like I said, hopefully we do a little bit next, better next week, folks. And uh, until then, we love you.